0: Greetings everybody, this is a Travel Addict Podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world. With activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising and just plain chilling out somewhere, we talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of A Passport. Stay tuned. Good morning, everyone. Malcolm Teasdale here, who is commonly known as a travel addict. Sounds unfortunate, doesn't it? With (laughs) me today is Caitlin Lubas from... California, and the great city of San Francisco. We've got to get back there one day. Love the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Caitlin, you there?
1: Yes, I am here. I'm super happy to be on the show. And yes, I'm currently in San Francisco, but I'm born and raised in New Jersey, spent most of my past few years in New York City. I'm actually new to San Francisco, so kind of in the mode of exploring every weekend, which has been super fun around here.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Uh, it's great that you've got that uh, that exploration kind of attitude in your blood this important.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. But
0: but you're only young. One of these things I'm going to ask you about, and I was pretty intrigued by this, when you said that you had been to 70, seven zero countries in all continents by the age of 22, maybe, is that right? Yes,
1: I'm 22 right
0: now. You know, Caitlin, that sounds like a world record to me.
1: Now, no, she started actually. traveling at the age of one.
0: I don't know. That just sounds absolutely incredible. Let's assume that. I I don't know how anyone could do that at uh, th- this young age. Uh, go to many countries. You must be must have been living out of suitcases. Is that true? I mean, you went to that many places uh, before, yeah. You know, you-
1: so I actually have been to a bit closer to 80 countries in my whole life so far, but the 70 countries and seven continents basically happened during the span of my four years of college, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I'm happy to expand on that. But yeah, you mentioned a world record. There actually is a girl who has been to all, like every single country, I think 198 or whatever the official number is. Um, she's been to all of them by the age of 21. She is the youngest girl to have traveled to every country in the world. Her name is Lexi <laughs> Alford. Um, she goes by Lexi Limitless on social media. She's pretty cool. Um, I follow her. I think she's really awesome and like super authentic. So I definitely recommend checking her out as well. But yeah, I mean, I have had a similar mindset of just like, I want to see as many places as possible, even though I'm young or really because I'm young. I think one of my like travel philosophies is that you really learn so much through traveling and traveling and exploring new places. It's one of the best ways to really just learn more about yourself while also learning about the world and how people live in different places and how people like have the same thoughts and needs and desires as you kind of throughout the world. And the world's just not as different as it may seem when you're younger and you're kind of like thinking of every place as being so foreign and so different. Um, I think I've really come to see travel as this way to learn and grow, not so much as just like a vacation. So that's like one of the basic things that really has motivated me to want to travel so much. And so early on in my life is I feel like the places I travel now are helping to inform all the life decisions and kind of my own personality. And I'd rather do all that like formative work earlier rather than later.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's great. And one thing uh, that you mentioned there, it is very educational. And my quest is to learn as much as possible how the rest of the world works. It's very important to me. I lecture about it as mm-hmm. well, but it's educational. In fact, you can actually tell people what you've learned as well if they're open to that conversation now surprisingly yeah. um i mean i'm american but i'm also british i've got dual passport but
1: i can tell by your accent i was gonna ask <laughs>
0: what I, oh yes that that southern alabama thing i've got going on yeah i i know that yeah <laughs> but it's surprising that the percentage of uh, american citizens who do not have passports is quite high mm. compared to other countries and I get it to a certain extent because there's so much to see in America and mm-hmm. I have a relative who lives in uh, Florida, elsewhere in Florida and their attitude, why would I need to go anywhere outside of the country when I can just go somewhere here and get in the same area? Yeah. And I thought, okay, I, you know, I'll i change subjects of the conversation here. Because <laughs> there is a lot to learn and you, you learn how to have a respect for the way um, – foreign cultures are and the way other people act in the world is very important so you're doing a, a great thing but the sheer quantity of countries you you have been to especially at a young age all right well college came into it i get that I'm going yeah to about that in a minute but one of the statements you made on your profile was this you are where you go
1: yes <laughs>
0: now To me, me, that's a bit of a risque statement, right? It (laughs) depends where you go to, right? Now, I've been to some, most of the places I've been to have been grand, great. Uh, But there's some places, you know, I wouldn't really want to go there again, you know? So I would say none of me from that country is part of me. I remember it, but I think what you're stating is part of the learning process. It's part of you because you remember what it was like and... uh, you probably learned from that. Well, I don't think I'll go there again, you know? So.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think that, so you are where you go is this concept and it's actually the title of a book I'm writing as well, which we can get into later. But yeah, the concept of you are where you go. I kind of, I love that phrase because it kind of goes back to, I feel like when I was little, my dad always told me like, you are where you eat. It's kind of like one of those phrases that gets tossed around. Just everyone knows that, that, kind of what you consume is a, or you will become a reflection of what you consume. Like if you eat healthy food, you will be healthy. If you eat junk food, you'll be not so healthy. Um, And I think the same goes for travel. Like you are where you go. You have the power to like choose where you go in life, whether that is just like staying domestically, kind of like you mentioned, or like going to super far flung places, going to really exotic places. Um, And like you said, even sometimes you may go to a place and figure out like, I would never really want to go back here. But you can't eliminate that place from the experiences that you've had in life. You've definitely learned something from going there. And I always think like whether it's somewhere you've gone or like a job that you've done or like something you've been part of that you end up not liking at the end of it. That's still super valuable to have that experience as kind of like a data point of, okay, I didn't like that. I'm not going to waste time here sure, because I have figured out I don't like it. And that's just part of my experiences that I've learned from.
0: Yeah. Well, well, excellent. Excellent. Um, well, I'm going to ask you a, a little bit more about uh, your travels coming up here. Yes. It's definitely part of you, even though I, I retired several years ago, it per se, because my company got bought out by a, a corporation. Mm-hmm. So I was able to, to retire, but I, since then, I've been traveling more, more to the obscure places, which I love more than anything, but yeah. I got used to traveling to the cities and places to do business. And most of the time, 95% of the time it was enjoyable but some sort of places I went to weren't quite but I learned something from it and was mm-hmm. it business to be had in everywhere no no some trips were a waste of time and you just learn from that it's all part of the learning process all right so now back to your college are you you're not at college now are you
1: No. So I actually graduated in December of 2019. I was like technically class of 2020, graduated semester early. So I missed, I just missed the whole Zoom lectures during the pandemic type of thing. But I still did miss my college graduation because that was supposed to take place in May of last year, sadly.
0: I know. It's it's horrible, isn't it? And 2020, what a waste of a year. (laughs) But Caitlin, to be honest with you, you're quite a bit younger than me. I don't know how much it doesn't matter, but uh, <laughs> you've got many, many years ahead to, to make up for the lost ground from last year to me, 22, oh, yeah. just a waste of a year. You know, I said, you know, the old year can think every year becomes important. So last year was sort of what a waste of time. My sister feels the same I way.
1: Know. I would, I would argue that. I I mean, I definitely thought it was obviously not the way that anyone intended the year to go, but I'm really big on like finding the silver linings in things. And like, for me personally, so I was actually in the middle of, after I graduated early in December 2019, I was planning on traveling for seven months straight and going to all seven continents, some for the second time during that span of seven months. So I had done um, Antarctica in January, had backpacked through Argentina in late January, and then was spending all of February into March on an African safari all throughout East Africa, had to fly home from that. So I was definitely also devastated by the pandemic. Like I had other plans to go to Sri Lanka and like hike to the base camp of Mount Everest and go to Australia and visit my friends in Europe. And like, I was definitely upset by the way that 2020 went. But I really do think that the way that things ended up working out, like it's not what I wanted, but it's kind of what I needed. Um, And I think that a lot of people can probably relate to that. Just like having an opportunity to like spend more time at home. Like whether it's like with your family or like a lot of people moves back home or like, we're able to kind of invest in those relationships that maybe before you didn't really have the time to invest in because you were like super busy with other things going on in your own life. I feel like one good thing of the pandemic too has been that it's really normalized this concept of like, you can keep in touch with people no matter where they are. And like, I think that's great, especially as someone who loves traveling. I've always been a little bit worried about like, Oh, maybe I'll lose touch with my friends. If I'm like, in all these different places all the time and moving around a lot, but now it's totally normal to be like, oh, let's just call instead of like meet up for coffee, which I think is a good movement overall.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, of course, uh, of course. Well, admirable. One thing comes to mind though, after what you've been saying, you've been to all of these places and I guess anyone who's listening is, well, where did she get all the dollars from to do all of this stuff? (laughs) But a lot of it depends on how you travel. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably the only year you may want to stay in more luxury places, but, um, I've spoken to people recently backpacking. I spoke to an yeah. Italian a lady. This was a great interview. And just a, a week or so ago, she was a PhD. Oh, I listened and, to that this morning. Yeah,
1: I loved that interview.
0: <laughs> a great lady, and some of the stories she came out with—it's amazing. Um, backpacking and all that, but it depends how you travel. It depends how really you want to travel. And I know, right. I've got friends here today that would. They have no second thoughts about just going camping out in the boonies somewhere. Well, it's <laughs> great, you know. I, I admire that. Now, college, you said you've studied in some places. Now, where, where is the list? Now, there's a list somewhere. I'm going to. I go- can
1: just go off the top of my head.
0: <laughs> oh, Ghana and then Florence, Singapore, Tel Aviv, Abu Dhabi, uh, Peru. Okay. Yes. Now, was Ghana the place? Where you were recently or in Africa? No.
1: So um, my most recent Africa trip, I was doing kind of like an overland safari that started in Kenya, was traveling overland, camping every night, was supposed to end in South Africa. But I ended up flying home from Zimbabwe. Um, but this Donna trip that happened when I was a freshman or like my first year in college um, I was really eager to just go on the first international trip I could possibly get myself on. And this is one of the only classes at my university that was offered to first year students who, um, it would give you the opportunity to actually go abroad. So it was like, I have to do this. I really want to do this. That sounds awesome. And the class itself was actually centered around like social entrepreneurship and how can we kind of learn how to build businesses in a sustainable way that has a social impact and like loved that too. But so the class itself included this like spring break trip to Ghana to actually visit the women we were working with remotely and like trying to help them develop this business in this small yeah. village in uh western Ghana so that was the first like big international trip I did like obviously not by myself because I was with other students but like without kind of my parents no. um and that was a super pivotal trip for me um I talk about it in the intro to my book that that was really like this one moment I remember like waking up in a mud hut in this village in Ghana it's called by J.H. and I just was so in shock that I was like I'm in Ghana right now I never would have imagined that I could have gone to a place like this like this wasn't really on my radar it's just a place that I never expected myself to be if I can get here I feel like I can get anywhere in the world like anything is possible it kind of just like opened up that concept to me and like (laughs) literally I remember waking up in that mud hut in this village in Ghana and telling myself if I'm in Ghana uh, in my first year of college, I want to make a goal for myself to visit all seven continents during the next four years or the next three years at that point of college.
0: <laughs> That's great, great. Actually, I think Delta used to have direct flights. I don't know if it was Atlanta or JFK, direct flights to Agra, Acrocarna. Yeah, and, and they do have direct flights. Went, went on with that. Um, the reason they crossed my mind is this, I'm not doing it now, but in September this year, I was going to go to Namibia. In Africa,
1: mm, it's beautiful. Manage. I haven't been, I was thinking about it on my safari, but did not get there because of COVID. <laughs>
0: exactly. And of it's just north of South Africa and the flight mm-hmm. had to go via Joburg, which they were, they've got their own variant down there of the uh, COVID. Yeah. But Namibia is the oldest desert in the world. And it's got the walls sand mm-hmm.
1: like
0: sand I was like, something I could do. Climb up that yeah. and just go camping in a landscape that is absolutely fabulous. Um, yeah has been delayed until next year.
1: Someday, someday.
0: Someday, yeah. But South Africa is great. And I, I need to do uh, more of Africa. Now, you also mentioned, and this place is close to my heart, actually, you spent time in Singapore. When was that? Just so I was
1: in Singapore during my 3rd year of college, my junior fall. Um I was doing an exchange student program at the National U- University of Singapore. So some of the other study abroad experiences I had done were through my university, New York University. Um like NYU has tons of global campuses all around the world, which is really yep. cool and part of the reason I was able to study abroad so much. But this particular instance when I was in Singapore was not through NYU, it was an actual exchange student program. So I was kind of really more out of my comfort zone. I was like the only NYU student there and like meeting new people from all different universities around the world. Like we had 2000 exchange students in our little cohort so there were tons of people from everywhere to meet and i ended up making some of my best friends during that semester um, i'm actually living with a girl right now who is a right? semester in singapore yeah <laughs> <laughs> well
0: that's great no i, I lived there between uh, 2007 and 2008 just rented a uh, a service department close to clark key you obviously know where that is right uh,
1: love that yeah, yeah.
0: okay so it was easy to just get out of the, the uh our condo and just walk down a local british pub there it was, it was Love that. familiar with uh with those areas and of course orchard road um but yes. we like the culture crime-free um mm-hmm. great healthcare system you just feel comfortable there's quite a few expats there and yeah. uh, also you know that singapore is a number one rated country to have the highest iq in the world
1: I've heard that. Yeah. Actually. So my sister is five years younger than me. And when she was going through like grade school, they were teaching her like Singapore math because Singapore just has a better way of doing things. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> it's well, I'm glad you've got the experience that. And I'm, I'm going there while I'm passing through Singapore because I'm going nice. to, I, I do scuba diving
1: oh, amazing. A place called
0: Raja Ampad in Indonesia. It's one of these, these diving locations for people who, like scuba diving, like me, have to go to in their lives. But I'm Mm -hmm. going via Singapore to get there. Um, I'm just resting over in Singapore for two or three days before going on to Raja, which is difficult to get to, an obscure island. But it'd be nice just to go there and just, yeah, this is still a great place. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Singapore's got it all, really. Like, it's this tiny little country in the middle of Southeast Asia, but it feels like a little utopia. Like, I do think all the buildings and the way it's super clean and super safe. And I also loved, like, the diversity of Singapore. Like, one of the reasons I wanted to spend a few months living there while I was studying abroad was the fact that it has these little like it's it's a conglomeration of minorities that makes up the country basically like you have like the ethnically chinese the people from like malaysia and then like a large tamil population and i thought it was so cool that most of the signs around the country appear in all four official languages of like english malay tamil and mandarin yeah. i thought that was always really interesting
0: it is it's great because that people from all walks of life are there and everyone gets mm-hmm. along pretty similar to malaysia yeah. Yeah. And that—that's mm-hmm. why it's a uh, safe. I mean, the government wouldn't allow it to be any other way, of course. But it's—it's so—it's the it's way it is. It's, it's quite a quite a livable place, and my two years there were absolutely a uh, great learning experience. But it enabled me to do more mm-hmm. business in the Southeast Asia region, so that's really good. Now, also on your uh, list here is Abu Dhabi. Right?
1: Yes, so. That was another, that was through NYU. Um, I did a class that included like a two and a half week trip to Abu Dhabi. We were learning about Middle Eastern culture and like the context of doing business in the Middle East. And it was an amazing trip. Like that was the only time I feel like anyone could ever get class credit for riding around on a camel.
0: I'm assuming you went to Dubai as well. Did you visit there?
1: Yes. Yes. I spent some time in Dubai as part of the class itself and then also went back to Dubai after the class ended with some of my friends and it was a great time.
0: I was in awe of the place and I actually passed through. I decided to stay there two or three days and I didn't like it too much. Interesting. Yeah. Because it's, it was missing something, maybe a bit Mm. of character to me, but it was just all, all concrete. There's great. Some great architecture there, but there's something missing. And, I probably at that stage of my life I just want to be out in the boon is somewhere away from uh, yeah. that that may be it. But I can see how people would enjoy it, plus the fact I was there during Ramadan, which was an accident. Oh. You know. So I went to the yeah. bar. I said, Oh, can I have a beer? I said, No, you can't. It's Ramadan. Oh, okay. So yeah. I <laughs> put that up for a days. <laughs> but it was just fine. And also you've been to uh, Tel Aviv, right?
1: Yeah, I spent 5 weeks living in Tel Aviv and got to like see a bit of Israel as well. I loved my time there. I loved the food in Israel. It was amazing.
0: <laughs> you love the food in Israel?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I'm trying to think here, what food in Israel did you like? I mean Oh my god, kind of
1: hummus? Like the best oh, hummus in okay. pita. Yeah, oh, yeah. my okay. goodness. I was the type of person before I went to Israel who was like, oh, hummus is gross. I don't know why people like that. Then I went to Israel, tried real hummus, like not from the store. It changed my life. It was so good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I it's the same. I I went there a long time ago, 1980. Hmm. And it was still the time. It was a bit edgy there. And I remember going on the on the beach there. And there were, there were jeeps going down the beach quite often actually maybe every 30 minutes with machine guns on the back so it oh, was wow. yeah I, I i'd be surprised if it's like that today but i enjoyed doing my time in tel aviv but i stayed there for totally three weeks and i got to see all the uh, the precious sites they have in the country which was mm-hmm. which, let's see galilee nazareth masada and all that stuff so yeah it, uh, there, there is a lot to see there so I, would i go back there no I, there's no reason for me to go that uh, back there but it was a good experience now what's on your list no, you've been to Peru and uh, uh, Florence as well. Now, mm-hmm. Florence, I'm assuming, you, well, you've been to Florence, but have you been to Rome and Venice as well?
1: Oh, I've been all over Italy. So I, I lived in Florence for five months. That was my one of my semesters I did through NYU. So I was like there with NYU students and was with all my friends. Um, and I had... Basically, I had three-day weekends where I would travel around Europe on the weekends, but I also had basically no class on Wednesdays. So I would always go on a day trip just by myself to explore some other city in Mm -hmm. Italy. So I've been to Rome, I've been to Venice, been to... Oh, what is, the name? I'm the name is escaping me. But the town where Romeo and Juliet is like from. Um, I've been to Milan, went to Siena, like all the little tiny towns in Tuscany that are beautiful and just gorgeous and have amazing food. Made those day trips by myself, and that's kind of how I also became comfortable traveling with myself for the first time.
0: Did you travel around by train?
1: Yes. So when I was traveling around Italy, I would always just like run down to the train station in the morning on my Wednesdays, take a train to Sun City, explore all day, take a train back in the late afternoon, early evening. Um, And then when I was going around Europe on the weekends, made very much use of the overnight bus network in Europe, as well as all the super cheap flights. Like I remember I took one flight from Rome to, I think it was Warsaw, and it was literally $2 on Ryanair. Like $2, that's less than a New York City subway ride.
0: What kind of plane were you on? Like the planes with the outside toilet? I like I, I
1: don't
0: get <laughs> <watch> it. <laughs> that's quite bizarre Ryanair. to me.
1: Yeah, I know Ryanair has these crazy like one dollar, one euro flash sales every once in a while. And I hopped yeah. on one of those deals. It was like an odd day. I was leaving on like a Thursday midday or something like that. So like probably not a lot of people flying. But that's that's the thing. Like traveling in Europe is so cheap. And I don't think people realize it can be that cheap.
0: <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But, like Because you mentioned Florence, I, had, I, I like Italy. Don't get me wrong here. If I went to Venice, it was just overwhelmed with tourists and it it's become a bit spoiled these days i know they're trying mm-hmm. to prevent cruise ships going there good thing by the way right. but i did enjoy florence yeah, you know out of all this i've been to Rome a couple of times but i did enjoy florence actually just being able to walk around uh, That yeah
1: city. it's such a cute little city and like i was living on like one of the main roads like basically down the block from me to my left was the David, and then down the block from me to the right was the Duomo. So I was definitely in a touristy area of Florence, but it had such a lively spirit to it. I I really miss it, and the food there is even better than anywhere else. Like you cannot beat Italian pizza, pasta, and gelato.
0: <laughs> well, I was never a great pasta lover, I can tell you that going to Britain. <laughs> but I did get to to like more of the Italian food while I was there. We we stayed in a hotel, just uh, it was the the hotel which was hotel hotel del rafio i don't i can't remember the, the correct pronunciation but it was a hotel that was used for the movie a room with a view oh wow yeah uh, across the famous bridge there and it was, it was a special location it was in walking distance of everywhere but it's actually uh it was tremendous so that's what i mean there's all these lovely places to see they've all got their own character the older i get there the more i yeah, you know, I get out into nature there's beautiful landscapes and uh, there's all these little groups of people in obscure mountain villages somewhere in Nepal and it's good mixing with these people as well learning how they live as well there's that's so much to see isn't it and yeah uh, yeah so your your situation you've done a lot um
1: yeah <laughs>
0: in your life up to now and that feeling I'm sure is not going to go away all right so you're going you'll want to do more and more so you'll definitely you'll conquer the world now you mentioned about um the girl who's been to every country in the world now that's a few people have been documented in doing that so whether it's countries including territories and autonomous regions as well we we don't know i don't know what that number is but but Mm -hmm. yeah but there may come a time where people travel too much and they travel for the sake of traveling
1: yeah well that's one of the things I kind of have like a little bit of a problem with with people who like I get that it's like a world record and it's really cool to say like I've been to every country in the world I'm the youngest person or like I I know there's another girl named like I think Cassie DePeckel she's like the the only like woman in the world who's been to all of like every single country in the world in the shortest amount of time I think she did it in like a year and a half or so but no. that stuff kind of like boggles no my stuff. mind because why would you want to do that just for the sake of doing it you're not actually benefiting from the places you're going to if you're like gunning for a world record and rushing it all
0: no no i, I, I get it and cruise ships is another example i'm not being cynical when i mm-hmm. say this uh but i've talked to people i i do lecturing on cruise ships when they're sailing by the way on just foreign calls mm-hmm. and stuff
1: Nice.
0: and when i got asked to do this they asked me if i ever done lecturing on cruise ships. I said, I've never been on a cruise ship. So <laughs> I got invited to do lectures about travel and stuff like that, which I I'm probably got a couple of gigs later on this year when it gets back in action. But I remember speaking to some passengers on board. He said, yeah, we've been to 120 countries. I said, were you on a cruise ship? And he said, mm-hmm. yeah. I said, okay. And I'm not sure that really counts. I didn't want to say that, but I'm just saying, because you get off at the port and you see – What's designed to see for you is manufactured. It's not uh, right. a true experience, as far as I can see. Now, I'm guilty of that um, to to a degree, but not m- not many. I really don't count those as really valid uh, experiences. But it's nice for that period of time to get off and uh, uh, see see a port. Like I remember Cayman Islands, uh, Georgetown, Cayman Islands. Yeah. There was on this cruise ship. We docked. There was eight other cruise ships in the harbour eight (laughs) you get off and that whole port area is designed for cruise ship tourists right and most people Mm -hmm. you can go on a a land excursion but you're there back in the same day you don't get to see a lot Cayman has a lot going for it but that area around the, the the ship port there is just it's unbelievable
1: Definitely. Yeah, I would agree. I've done the same kind of like many Caribbean cruises with my parents. And I mean, I think it's a good way, especially when you're super young, like I went as like a kid on most of these cruises. Um, it's a good way to just like see different places. But I totally agree that you don't get a very good gauge on like, what is the culture? or Like, what is even the local food or like local people? Like, if you're just stuck in this like yeah. port city and not exactly exploring on your own. Um, I will say, though, I, I like I don't knock people who go on cruises because travel can be really daunting for a lot of people. Like they don't know where to go or don't know how to plan right. an itinerary. And the fact that a cruise is just like, here's a list of the places you'll be going. You can just sign up and we will take you there. That's like a good kind of like a gateway point for some people who might not be like super familiar with like planning their own trips fully. So, I mean, I still I support it. Oh well, yeah, it's it's a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with <laughs> yeah. it. It's a
0: purpose. And there are people who go on cruises, stop at a port, but they stay on the ship as well. Oh, mm-hmm. we, we can see it when i get off you know i, I get that yeah. and people retire on ships as well i've put mm-hmm. people that uh they spent they've been three months on the ship they're getting off i said oh you're finally getting off they said well just for two days to pay, go off pay the bills then we're getting back on and that that's what they do and they're well taken care of they are waited on hands up hand and foot they really enjoy yeah. it and i understand that uh, concept as well so nothing against that I, I enjoy what, what I do on these ships it's just a, a fun experience but all good yeah yeah so Zanzibar now you've been to Zanzibar
1: yes so that was one of the highlights of my trip to uh, East I'm Africa jealous.
0: I'm jealous. <laughs> I, I, that was I was going to go there two years ago and I delayed it so much that it was out of season for scuba diving So I'm going to go to Dar es Salaam and fly over to uh, Zanzibar for that, a resort booked, and for that. So is it, the island of Zanzibar, is it just as beautiful as it sounds?
1: It is an oasis. I will also say I have probably a different perspective than most people who, like, fly directly into Zanzibar um, and, like, see it for what it is, because I had gone first through a few weeks of camping on this overland safari in kenya then a bit of overland camping in tanzania so when we finally got to zanzibar and got to like stay in a little hotel room in Zanzibar for the first time in like almost a month I was ecstatic and I was <laughs> like, the beaches are beautiful the palm trees, the sand the ocean we got to go swim with dolphins we got to swim with sea turtles um Zanzibar was like just amazing I think especially because it had that heightened contrast for me but yeah. for anyone it, it is a beautiful island oh
0: yeah the near miss for me and of course mm. you've been to Zambia and Zimbabwe I'm assuming you've seen Victoria
1: Falls Yes. So Victoria Falls is actually the last place I saw on my trip. And I flew home during kind of when COVID and everything hit the fan. Um, in mid-March, I flew home from Victoria Falls. And the only flights that were available in time were like, I had to go from Vic Falls to um, South Africa, and then South Africa to New York. And the flight was like, three thousand dollars one way just because everyone was scrambling to get home at the time oh, and i was really lucky yeah. um yeah i had travel insurance because it was required for my safari so now i'm a big advocate of like you need travel insurance you never know when a global pandemic is going to happen it's like actually right.
0: it becomes <laughs> even more important now i'm just curious i don't know where you were for zambia or zimbabwe and you saw victoria ford you walk over the bridge over the Zambezi River, either to Zimbabwe or back?
1: I didn't walk over a bridge. Um, We did, I think we passed by like the dam that goes in between the two countries. Um, But yeah, we had like, I remember I, I went actually to see Vic Falls, like the day, like the morning right before my flight home. So it was yeah. very rushed, and like kind of in like a frenzied state because I was like, oh, my God, I'm going home. The world is ending. <laughs> but, um yeah, I did see it. <laughs> I definitely oh, want to okay. go back to fully it, the, see it. The view
0: is actually better from the Zimbabwe side, by the way. It's okay. slightly better. And I stayed at the Royal Livingston Hotel, which is Zambian side. Uh, that's a fabulous uh, resort. Because uh, The reason I asked you this, I was just curious – because as I walked across a bridge to the Zimbabwe side, you look down from the bridge and you see the Zambezi River running several hundred feet. People were bungee jumping off the bridge.
1: Yeah. People, there were some people, there were some people I was traveling with who did the bungee jumping thing. Like right the day after I left, they were like, well, the world's ending. We're just going to go bungee jumping.
0: <laughs> that's got That's an insane thing. How, how can people look down and see the river from afar rushing by and then jump up? I, I, Of those,
1: not for me. I don't think I could do it either. (laughs) No,
0: that's not doing bungee jumping, I'm not jumping out of a plane and I'm not climbing up rock faces. I do other stuff, but not those things, you know. Bungee jumping, yeah. Yeah.
1: I have an inkling that I want to go skydiving one day. Like, I was really, really about to do it when I was in Australia because I wanted to go skydiving like over the Great Barrier Reef. I feel like that would be so cool to see. But then I called my mom and was like, yeah, I'm going to go to skydiving, mom. She's like, please don't. Christmas is in two weeks. What if we have to like think about your death during Christmas? So I was like, okay, that's really dramatic, but I guess I won't go. <laughs> oh,
0: dear, dear. That's not to say you, you won't do some more of these daring things later on in life yeah. when, you, when you get the urge, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's going to happen. When you went to Laos in Asia, did you go to the Vientiane or Luang Prabang or both?
1: So we were in Long Um, We actually, so the girl I'm living with right now, who is from my sister in Singapore, we did this trip together along with one of our other friends, Shannon. Um, and so we actually did a, Mekong River exploration. Like that was our main thing that we did in Laos. So we flew into Long Prabang. I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, but um, we flew in there, met this amazing, amazing tour guide from like she was a local woman who like grew up in a mountain village yeah. in Laos and like became an entrepreneur basically, um, was like leading these long boat tours. So we took a tour with her, like just the three of us on this huge boat with this local guide sailing down the Mekong River for basically two days straight. We stopped in a tiny little village overnight. To sleep on the riverside and like woke up in the morning with like elephants right on the riverside kind of like drinking from the river it was magical and honestly one of the best experiences so i've a, ever had
0: great country and uh, if you've ever been to vientiane capital city and i remember going there for th- three or four days and there were two things that missing there in the city people and cars they were missing oh, wow. but where is everyone it's capital city then Luang Prabang was just a great experience. I stayed on the, the main street, just a bit south. There's a, a nice resort there. And I, so I spent my time walking there. And it was just great. And having afternoon tea. I'm a Brit. I drink a lot of tea. Overlooking yeah. the river there. And there was a little temple, you might have done this little temple you on the main street, you can a little cage of, of two hummingbirds in and you can carry that up to the top. Yeah,
1: of, yeah, up, up on the, Mount Fauci, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that.
0: Yeah, the people are friendly and uh, it was just a lovely place, quiet and assuming.
1: And yeah, yeah, I also was so astounded by the food in Laos. Like I think about it all the time, and I cannot find a good Laotian food like restaurant in half the cities I've ever been to in the US. So it's quite sad. <laughs>
0: Well, where you are in San Francisco, it's probably, you've you've probably got all types of restaurants in your great city, so I'm sure. There I'm
1: definitely possible. are. Like, I've been really, really happy with the food selections, especially, like, I grew up on the East Coast and was more used to, like, seeing mostly Italian restaurants, like, mostly kind of, like, European-type food, because obviously East Coast is closer to Europe. But now that I'm on the West Coast, and, like, there's a much bigger Asian population here for the proximity yeah. to Asia, there's, like... Burmese restaurants, there's Malaysian restaurants, there are a lot of very different, um, like ethnic cuisines, which I love always trying new things. Um, But I will say Laos or Laotian food is just really hard to come by, especially the one thing that I loved when I was in Laos, they have this Dish that they serve at a lot of restaurants, kind of like a side or like a snack. It's called river weed. And it's basically like they literally just take like the seaweed or whatever from the Mekong River, dry it out, flavor it with these nuts. And like I looked up an article one time. It's this crazy process of like months long or like days long to dry it out and make it properly. But it's so, so good. And I can't find it anywhere in the US. So I will have to go back to Laos just to get it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It does, in my honest opinion, in my humble honest opinion, Laos does have the best beer in Asia beer lao
1: yes beer lao it's so good okay we were we were um told as well that it was amazing and like has the best beer and my friends and i were like not huge into beer or anything but we tried it and i will say like it is very good it's up there on the world's best beers
0: <laughs> i think so too um, i'll speak to people and i said what they make beer there
1: no beer lao is worth the hype yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right we speak the same if I, if I have a bump into you on travels we'll have a beer lao together somewhere
1: oh yes that'd be me
0: <laughs> you mentioned that you had actually been to Slovenia.
1: Yes, I actually heard you mention Slovenia on your podcast last week, so I was hoping you would bring it up.
0: <laughs> I mentioned about my trip to Asia in September. On the way back, I'm calling in a couple of places in Eastern Europe, but I'm also going to uh, Slovenia, Ljubljana. And yeah. I thought, I know people have been there. They said, it's, it's a lovely city. Why not? And the Italian lady I spoke to, to uh, a week or so ago, uh, Federica, the PhD, she speaks the language, and she's from mm-hmm. that part, northwestern, not sorry, northeastern part of Italy. Uh, so, right. spent a lot of time in Slovenia, and she told me all about it. It's, it's piqued my interest a bit more. So that's where I intend to go, uh, probably in the middle of September this year. So, did you enjoy
1: the place? I loved Slovenia. Like I always say that obviously besides the like major cities in Europe that everyone enjoys, my two recommendations is like hidden gems of Europe. I always say Slovenia and I always say Malta, which is like a tiny little island off the coast yeah. of Italy. People don't even know it exists sometimes. Yeah. But Slovenia was actually the first solo trip I ever took in my life. Like my friends and I, like all 10 of us in Florence, were all supposed to go to Barcelona for a weekend. We're going to have an amazing like birthday celebration for my friends. But then... the the kind of like Catalonian rebellion back in 2017, just like happened that weekend. And people were saying it was super dangerous to go. So everyone canceled. And I was like, well, I'm not going to waste a weekend. Like I want to go somewhere still. So I just booked an overnight bus to Slovenia by myself, booked a hostel by myself for the first time. was like very like, apprehensive about going because I was like what do I do like how do I travel by myself I was very uncomfortable at the time (laughs) but it ended up being great like I I actually booked like a bit of like a group tour thing where I got to go outside of Ljubljana to this amazing gorge where it was really really blue and beautiful and then we also went to Lake Bled which is So picturesque, looks like a fairy tale, this cute little castle in the middle of the lake. We took one of the traditional Slovenian boats out there. My tour guide was talking and going on and on about how like Melania Trump was from Slovenia, which is just so funny at the time. Um, Yeah, I had an amazing time in Slovenia and the food is amazing. I remember I used to like write a travel blog when I was um, studying abroad and stuff. And I wrote a whole blog post about all the amazing food I had in Slovenia, especially all over Ljubljana, just amazing places.
0: Okay. Well, all right. Now I'm a big foot fan of Indian food. I like hot and spicy mm. curry. Uh, do they have an Indian restaurant in Ljubljana?
1: I don't know. I was into trying the local food, so I cannot advise you on like ethnic cuisines in Slovenia. <laughs> okay. But I'm I'm a big sweet tooth, and I had so many amazing like pastries and desserts there. There were these little like. I don't know what they're called. They're like these little rolls with like different flavors, and like filled with different things. It was this one little cute shop, like right by the river in Ljubljana. I swear I could have eaten like eight of those little like pastry things. They were so, so good.
0: You, you bad girl, you. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> when, when you're young and uh, active, you can do that stuff. No, I've, yeah. I've never had a sweet too. I've, I'm more of a hot and spicy type of guy. So anyway, I just wonder like, like, yeah, I'm in Destin, Florida. Funny thing is moved down here. There's no Indian restaurants here. And I thought, uh, why on earth did I move here? But once yeah. popped up a, a, a few miles down the street, but it's more like, a, I think it's a takeout place. I have to investigate that. So I've, I've learned how to cook Indian food myself. So uh, nice. all, all good. Antarctica. Now, I was curious here, because you said you've been to Antarctica, and I've seen mm-hmm. a picture of you with penguins, hanging out with penguins. Yes. How many different ways are they to get to, to Antarctica? Well, you must have been on a ship, right? On the ship? yes oh okay yes
1: so from what i understand from like what i kind of researched there's like three main ways you can get to antarctica one is on a ship that's the most common way by far um yeah. like the ships sail out of Ushuaia, which is the southernmost city in the world like the tip of argentina yeah. yep. sail across the drake passage which is like the roughest seas in the world it takes like two full days to sail from argentina to the antarctic yep. peninsula and it is rough. Like I got really lucky when I went and it was a relatively mild crossing of the Drake, but I still was like in bed all day. I was like, I don't want to get up. My stomach is gonna like flip out. And they had said that was a mild version. So I can't even imagine what it would be like when it's super bad and there's like 70 foot waves and crazy things like that. So that's what you expect if you take a ship potentially. But the other way is there are actually flights that you can fly into Antarctica if you no. want to not do the two days on the boat I don't really know why you would do that especially like I'm a pretty like eco-conscious person when I try to travel I feel like that just no. doesn't make sense to go like pollute Antarctica with a flight but that is an option um and then obviously like a third option is like the more Official way of doing things like if you're going for like a research trip or something you're not just going to be visiting the peninsula you'll be like going deep deep into the continent
0: yeah there's people who have been stationed there for quite some time now mm-hmm. i don't know why I'm going to ask you this question because it just popped into my head it may, it may seem a strange one penguins are penguins the only animal that live down there
1: no so <laughs> I, I, I don't know why i just I just think
0: of penguins what well there's no There's no lines of time. What what are the species of animal reside there? Bears? Yeah, I don't
1: know. No, so polar bears are only in the Arctic. That's what I I learned. Um, Penguins are definitely the main inhabitants of Antarctica. Like, I love penguins. They're one of my favorite animals, which is part of the reason why I wanted to go. And I actually timed my trip perfectly so I would be there when it was, like, baby penguin hatching season. Um, And there were tons of little chicks, like, poking through their shells, Um, had a really amazing time just watching all the penguins. But to your question of like what other animals exist there, we saw tons of seals, like tons of different seals, like basking on the different icebergs, kind of swimming through the water. And we saw whales. And when I say we saw whales, we didn't just like see them off the boat in the distance, which we did do that. But we also, so the way you kind of get from your little interactive cruise ship yeah. to the actual continent is you take these little zodiac boats which are basically like little lifeboats, fit like 10 people mm-hmm. they're just like floating boat things but we were in the water in our zodiac boats and the whales would come and like crest up in the water like mm-hmm. less than 10 meters away from you Yeah, and that's just like the closest in your life you could ever get to a whale like literally you can see their like flow holes go up right next to you you feel the water mm-hmm. on you you see their tails fluke like Basically, you could like reach out and touch a whale if you wanted to. That was just mind blowing.
0: Oh yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be great to experience that. Well, I was thinking more on the land, uh, of course. Well, seals can obviously sit on ice before they go in the water. I'm from England, as you know, I'm born and raised at country, but I love the English countryside.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you've been to the area of England called Cotswolds, it's a beautiful countryside, a lot of old, sort of uh, very nice villages there. But there's one village called Borton on the water. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's on the water because there's a little stream flows through the village centre, but inside Boughton on the water is a little zoo. And I I was intrigued by this, and I went to visit it one day, and in this zoo, it's very, very small, they have penguins. And I'm thinking, why on earth would they bring an animal from the Antarctic into this little place in the English countryside? It makes no sense to me, and obviously the penguins can't be happy there. Maybe Mm. I have no idea. It seemed rather strange, you know? But they seem passive animal, then I seem to be happy there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I just sort of mentioned that. I thought it was a bit strange, you know. And I mentioned yeah. that, I mentioned that to uh people in ward on the water, and they no one had an answer, logical answer on why they've got penguins in town. <laughs> anyway. I
1: could see that. I mean, any zoo is kind of I'm always on the fence about whether zoos are like a good thing or not, because yes, like it's weird to bring animals out of their natural habitat and like put them on display for people. But one of the like main lessons I kind of like learned through my Antarctic tour guides and like these expedition leaders on my trip was like, it really makes a difference when you're able to see something and like realize that this animal or this place isn't just a picture on the internet or like a picture in the page of a book. Like, it's a real thing and that's what kind of like inspires people to care about things more is like seeing how cute penguins are and like seeing how beautiful the landscape landscape of Antarctica is so in the same way we're like now that I've been to Antarctica and I feel this like intense need to like spread the word about like we need to protect it we need to care about our environment it kind of is a similar thing when someone goes to a zoo especially like a young kid and they're seeing like a penguin for the first time, kind of like in the flesh, it inspires this love of like, okay, this is a real thing. Like I need, I have a duty to like go out and protect this thing and like make the world yeah. better for not just me, but the animals that live in it too.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm one for that. I don't particularly like zoos or circuses, especially, you know, I've got no, maybe I was a kid. Then I, then I start to learn about stuff. I thought, yeah, this, These type of places aren't probably good for wildlife. And what are the places you've been through? What's your favorite place?
1: Oh, this is my least favorite question. Give me the top um, three then. Okay. Um while well, we spoke about my trip to Laos. I definitely think that was one of the most unique experiences I had. And mm-hmm. I definitely want to go back to Laos. Like if you ever ask me just my favorite country in Asia by far, I'll always say Laos. Um I think. Up there as well, for sure, is Argentina. I wasn't honestly expecting too much out of it. Like, I didn't really know too much about it going Mm -hmm. into it, but I just wanted to explore Argentina since I would be there for two weeks after my Antarctica trip ended. But I was blown away by how much you can see in Argentina. Like, it has everything. You get Buenos Aires, like the city kind of taste, and you can go up north to the border of, like, Argentina and Brazil and go to Iguazu Falls astounding waterfalls there like never seen anything like it i think they're the biggest waterfalls in the world as compared to um victoria falls is like the largest meaning like longest single waterfall um and then you can also still go down to patagonia and do like amazing hiking like the hiking capital of the world is el chalten and you can go hiking on a glacier in el calafate on the perito Moreno glacier and The food in argentina is also amazing like i was actually traveling with a friend who's vegan and she had a really tough time there because it is just like meat and cheese but it is amazing meat and cheese
0: (laughs) biggest steak i ever had was in buenos aires Uh,
1: yeah
0: yeah it was brutal and the guys i was uh, meeting there for business they took me out for lunch one day so okay i'm up for the experience so we went and these guys were drinking beer as well i did but uh so we had some appetizers uh, before the main course. And I asked them, I said, Hey guys, what did we just eat? What what were those appetizers? And they came up with a name and I said, well, what is it? And they talked amongst themselves. And he said, yeah, the best description we can come up with for the appetizer was cow glands. Oh, wow. <laughs> I said, say no more. I don't know. I, you know, okay. I get it. I've eaten something weird here. So I did, didn't ask any more questions. Great people, great people there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in spite of the Falkland Islands crisis for many, many years ago. And they even took me to a soccer game there, which they're fanatic about that, of course. Oh,
1: that must have been fun.
0: Yeah, it was a bit edgy, though, to be honest with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. they just said, look, don't cheer for the opposing team. They said mm-hmm. that. Yeah, right, but it was all right. All fun. So, yeah, so you've got Laos and Argentina. What was the other one? And then
1: I would say my top three, also, honestly, is Antarctica. Like, there's just no place like it. It is super, super unique. The landscape is so unique. Like, people really think, or some people, I guess, have this concept that, like, what is there to see in Antarctica? It's just like a floating brick of ice in the middle of the Southern Ocean, right? <laughs> I'm like, no, absolutely not. There are mountains, there are yeah. glaciers, there are ice formations. It is beautiful.
0: <laughs> exactly. Now, the other end of the spectrum, Caitlin. Mm -hmm. Um, What are your least favorite or the place you, there's got to be somewhere you disliked on the planet.
1: Hmm. Um, So this is a hot take. I feel like, cause I didn't dislike the country, but I kind of disliked my experience there. Um, So I went to Japan and I feel like everyone raves about Japan who has ever been there. And maybe that was just like too much of like a hyped up thing for when I went, but I went to Japan and it was like, typhoon season when I went so it was raining and we couldn't really like do anything and I was traveling with some friends who were definitely like on more of a budget than me and we ended up having like cheap Mexican food our first night in Japan instead of like sushi or something so I just felt like that trip was not what I wanted it to be (laughs) um so I definitely need to go back and give it another chance like it's not the place that I didn't like but I was just like damn my expectations were way too high and like the kind of parameters of the trip were just like not right so i need to go and hit the like redo button next time i go to japan
0: <laughs> all right fair enough then I, I get it to a certain degree and uh, there, when i went there many many years ago there was a language barrier uh, there i found but i i need to not only go back to, to tokyo but also kyoto and some of the other mm-hmm. people i do have a relative actually who lives on the outskirts of uh, tokyo in the mountains there and he's been living
1: Ooh,
0: amazing there. yeah he's, he said it's, it's gorgeous That is obviously crime-free there as well. So he feels perfectly safe. He's a Brit from the northern part of England. So he's invited me over. May have to do it one day. Your book. And uh, yes, you, it's what we mentioned earlier. You Are Where You Go, a a traveler's uh, coming-of-age story. Uh, Explain that. Tell us about that. Uh, Because I may have to read a snippet of this myself, and uh, it sounds intriguing. I'm trying to think related to the fact when I was your age, what I I was doing as far as travel, but boring compared to what you've done. (laughs) So explain your book.
1: Yeah, so I started writing this book during the pandemic kind of because I had a lot of time for the first time in a while, but I have actually been planning to write a book for quite some time like I was definitely one of those kids who was always like, when I grow up, I want to be an author. (laughs) So I'm trying to make that dream a reality and I'm really excited about it. I started writing the manuscript last October was working on it pretty intensely, like every day, every weekend um, during last November and December of 2020. And I was just like holed up in my house in New Jersey. It was cold outside, literally could not leave the house. Was just writing every day. Um, And I finished up the manuscript. I'm in the editing phase. It's going to be coming out later this year. Um, If anyone wants to follow along for updates, um, I have an Instagram called you are where you go. And also the website is just, um, you can sign up for my mailing list and I'll be sending out updates as I kind of go through the publishing journey because I think it's a really fun thing to just involve people in the process of like creating a book especially as like a young person going through this for the first time like I had this concept that there was like such a high barrier to entry to like writing a book like I never knew how to go about doing that yeah. a year ago but I kind of expose myself to a couple of different like people who have done the book writing process before in the past couple of months and just learning from people who have done it it's not the it's not impossible to do like you can do it as long as you have the framework and the time to dedicate and like an idea to write about it's really fun to kind of just go along that whole journey and it's a long drawn out process but it's fun to chip away at and like I'm really excited not only to put all my adventures into a book that I can share with people because obviously we've had a great conversation today, but I can't, Explain like everything I could in a conversation with if I didn't have like the pages to write in a book. So I'm excited to have that out and like be able to share these with people and hopefully just inspire people to travel more and travel while you're young if you can. Like everyone kind of is like, oh, I'll travel eventually. You're like, I'll get to it eventually, but like you can do it when you're young too. Like I think some people think that traveling is inaccessible, but kind of like you were saying earlier, like you don't need a ton of money to do it you can travel on a budget you can exactly stay in hostels. you can backpack you can make it happen like if you it's kind of this thing of like if there's a will there's a way like if you want to travel you can make it happen you can make it happen. and I want to yeah I want to be that hopefully that inspiration point for some people who want to travel and like maybe just haven't seen like a young person do it or like someone in college do it the same way um and it's very very feasible and possible <laughs>
0: Well, that was great. Now, did you are you self-publishing this or you have a, a a literary agent or how are you doing this? You're doing it self-published? Why?
1: So I'm going through a hybrid publisher. I'm not self-publishing and I'm not doing the agent um like big publisher route. A hybrid publisher I'm working with um so they'll like publish my book but I'm doing like the writing myself and I don't have to like conform to kind of like the no. expectations of yeah, a big traditional different. publisher.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's a great thing to do. Now, one of the things, you'll do this, and you'll, you'll want to do more.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm already thinking about it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you
0: will. I, I, I tell you. But I didn't start doing this till later on in my life when my mother gave me an idea to do it.
1: Hmm.
0: Along the way, I on traveling, we take pictures. We take videos.
1: Yeah.
0: But one thing that not many people do is they put things down in words. And I only say this because this is something I did – for my own benefit, when I get senile in my old age, I can read one of my books. I'd, oh, God, I actually did that? Let me read yeah. And the, the stuff will come back to you, and it's a great experience to relive. Now, I, I pick up souvenirs. You'll probably see some in the cabinet behind me. I pick up souvenirs. Mm-hmm. My office was full of this stuff. So do that as well. But, yeah, get things down in print, and it could inspire other people to do the same. Uh, but it's also for your own benefit as well. I think it's a great thing to do. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. I've definitely thought about that as well. Like, I normally like to kind of like bullet journal or like just write down notes for myself as I travel, so I've been easily able to like take those and translate them into these stories and like include more dialogue and description to make them more engaging for readers. But yeah, like it's as much for myself as it is for other people. Like, I'm very excited to be able to look back on this and just like have an artifact of kind of like this time capsule of my 22-year-old self of like, what was I feeling? What was I thinking when I did all these trips? And I'm excited to like give it to my kids. I want my kids to read about how fun and like adventurous my life was when I was this age.
0: (laughs) Well, one thing you've achieved a lot so far in life because of the places you've been, but writing a book is also another achievement. You actually Mm -hmm. do it, right? And not not many people, a lot of people talk about this stuff, but they don't actually do it. You know, so times pass by, they all want to just... Just get down and just dedicate some time to do it. And once you get started, you you know this already, all this stuff comes back to you, you get in the writer's frame of mind and you can just keep on doing it, you know, whenever you feel comfortable with it. And uh, it, yeah. it's doable. I wish pe- more people should do it, actually. I just wish my parents did it. My parents were World War II vets. And I just wish they wrote more stuff down, you know, mm-hmm. so I could actually read it now. But, you know, yeah my grandma is the
1: same actually yeah my grandma like immigrated from the philippines to the u.s and like worked at the un and has all these amazing experiences and she was kind of like an inspiration to write this book as well because she's i think in her late 70s early 80s now and she still is like oh yeah i'm gonna write the book someday i'm like grandma you have to do it now Damn i want to read your stories <laughs>
0: i'm just curious uh, that's your great great grandmother right
1: no she's my grandma
0: grandma yeah um yeah grandma uh whereabouts in the philippines you're from um uh,
1: so my mom and my grandma um, are from the philippines right outside manila in a town called they're from a town called
0: macati yep i i know it uh quite well i've been to makati a couple of times
1: amazing yeah
0: i said there's a there used to be a mandarin oriental there they that closed but the peninsula hotel is still there and you've heard of padre Borgos street you know for for nightlife there and it's yeah that's a bit dubious but manila i wherever i meet from the philippines i always mentioned traffic to them the amount ima- oh the yes is philippine traffic
1: <laughs> is a whole thing yeah
0: <laughs> uh, but that's another story you can you can yeah. we could do a presentation on the, the manila oh yes that's
1: another
0: <laughs> anyway uh caitlin um do you have any um questions or anything else you'd like anyone to uh, know about you while we're online here
1: no, I mean, I think we covered a lot. Yeah, if anyone wants to ask any questions, like feel free to reach out. I respond to DMs on Instagram all the time. So just reach out at you are where you go um, or at my name, Caitlin Lubis. Um I always love talking about travel and I'm super happy that we had this conversation because I've learned about a lot about your trips as well.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I've learned something from you also. I mean, even at my grand old age of <laughs> 32, and um, that's uh, still stuff I wanted to do. Antarctica intrigues me though. Yeah,
1: definitely. Definitely try to get it on your bucket list. I so recommend, like I even want to go back to Antarctica a second time. Like it was amazing. Hey
0: <laughs> Caitlin, now the problem is my bucket list is getting longer, not shorter.
1: I know, I know. It never ends. It never there's ends. No, but you, gotta, no you always gotta me. have something to look forward
0: to. <laughs> I know. Well, I'll have to uh, when, when this nonsense is over. Uh, you know, I'm going away next month. Uh, no, in June actually um, to, the, to uh, Turks and Caicos Islands for a month. I'm gonna spend a month down there. Uh, but then just after that, it's gonna be September, obviously to Asia. So we are, always have to have something to look forward to. And I know you always
1: mm-hmm.
0: will, And I. Yeah. Will. All right, yeah. Caitlin, I'll let you go to uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, Thanks for joining me. been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a great conversation. Pleasure. I really enjoyed
0: it. All right, Caitlin, Last take soon. care. Bye. See ya. Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, MalcolmJTeasdale.com more information about my travels around the world okay folks talk to you later bye for now stay safe